What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast presented by House Enterprise. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here connecting with people who have incredible stories to tell. And today's guest is a first-time first time guest, first-time category for this show. And boy, it really got me out of my comfort zone. You're going to hear some stories from me that you probably haven't heard on this show if you've been here for the past 80 episodes. You're going to hear some questions that I have never asked anybody. It's because we have the incredible Tony Nash on today's show. Tony is an officer in the U.S. Army, and he is also the host of the Got Your Six podcast where you can be you can find it everywhere where he interviews active and active duty members and veterans to learn more about how they go about their everyday lives and go, as he calls it, into the breach. I'm so excited about this episode because it was very opening for both of us. We talk about topics that are so important to both of us that we both really care about, whether it's mental health, whether it's learning to lean on others, learning to ask for help learning to love your support systems. This episode, I think, will inspire a lot of people to do a lot with their lives today. That is my hope. That is my goal. And so without further ado, this man, this incredible guest, here he is, the one and only Tony Nash. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everyone, on this week's episode, we have an incredible guest. Tony Nash is a field artillery officer in the U.S. Army, a high performer in every sense, and gives individuals and corporations an up-close glimpse of what it's like to take and operate when one goes into the breach. Tony is the host of the Got Your Six podcast, a show that specializes in delivering actionable advice based on those who have served or are still serving and allowed anyone to bring out the best in themselves and those around them. Tony this this has been a this has been a making it we am so glad we can finally make this happen thank you so much for coming on man how are you uh i'm really great right now because i'm gonna go back and steal that audio for the intro to this <laughs> podcast and use that anytime i walk in a room going forward dude what an honor to be here uh, it's it's an honor to have you and i and i always that's like my there's two rules that i have to podcasting it's be, come prepared because for me and my social anxiety i can't like not talk so if i'm in a room of yeah. awkward silence like i have to know to how to bring up a conversation and to always give a good intro to the guests they gave you their time always give a good intro don't just say hey this is tony nash you guys should well then you gave them. me a gr you gave me an excellent intro i would <laughs> almost say stu stupendous and electric so Thank you, you exceeded again expectations. I appreciate that. So, just to start, man, how are you? How have yeah. things been? What's what's new with you right now? Good, man. You know, just trying to be better than yesterday. I think that's always just the goal. Um, that you know, and at the end of the day, trying to close out. Like, did I do that? And if I can kind of achieve a little bit more, or sometimes it's like, hey, we got where we got today, and you know, seeing where tomorrow leads us. You know, that, God, God willing, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that something that you've kind of like? Is it? trying to not overthink the bigger goal or the bigger picture and kind of taking just that next step. You know, you, I, I know you always like to say on your show, like, how are you better than yesterday? Yeah. Is it trying not to see everything such a big picture? Cause I feel like in today's society, we're always like, what's next. And I was actually just talking about this with my girlfriend. Like we're both in the age where 24, 25, where like 
seems like everyone's focused on getting engaged, moving in, you know, kind of like living that next thing. Right. And we were like, we were just so excited to go have dinner at our, like in our alma mater town in Providence, Rhode Island. Like that was our like big thing that we were looking forward to. I feel like, I don't know, in my generation, people are just always thinking about the next big thing. No, I absolutely love that you are living in the moment. Um, And we can get lost so quickly in, you know, focusing on the next thing and not being intentional. That's, that's where I get stuck is just trying to live intentionally uh, every day and not stuck, but like, I try to focus on that um, and being in the moment because it's so easy to live in the past or live in the future, but it's so hard to live in the now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, kind of to, I always like to say on my show, right? Every story has a beginning. So I want to start at yours. Can you talk a little bit about life growing up in the Nash household and what it was like growing up in Buffalo, New York? Yeah. Um, You know, every story, man, every story has a beginning. It's just always, which beginning do we start with? Where do we start? Um, I I come from a very loving house. I'm very blessed. Did we have a lot growing up? Not really. Uh, But fate, luck, opportunity, um, and being just having the right people around me, I guess, put me in the position that I am in now. But growing up, like, you know, a single Italian mom, my father passed away. Uh, he actually committed suicide when I was in high school. So while I did have him, it's just that time is just so far. It's almost, you know, more than half my life ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, having that kind of not my very patriotic mother, not any military affiliation whatsoever, but very like stern. And, you know, no nonsense. I always say she was my first drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that served me well of just, you know, kind of being intentional and trying to live that every day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I it's so funny. I don't, I don't come, my parents weren't in the military. My grandfather was, he was a oh, cool. drill sergeant in the Marines, first Marine, first battalion, oh, you know, world dang. war two vet, but, and obviously my dad grew up with the drill sergeant dad. And sure. I will always say, my dad didn't serve, but I definitely got the second degree. You know, it's like, I, I can't say I have military parents, but I have a military family where like, if you came, like my grandpa, like my grandpa always told my dad, you know, your curfew is 11 o'clock. And if it's turning to 11, you know how the old school clocks, if it's turning to 11, then you're late. And yeah. so when I was growing up, I just, I grew up on digital clocks on the microwave and on the oven. I just went and already pre-changed them to five minutes fast. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. So I was never late, but I'm dying. I mean, actually, I'm pretty sure I was late a couple of times. Sorry, yeah. dad. <laughs> That's fine. So you were like hospital corner in your bed. Yeah. Rolling your socks. Love that. Yeah, exactly. Love exactly. That. But so, you know, you said, you know, not growing up in necessarily a military family. Yeah. How, what, how did you land at going to West Point from that? So it was actually my high school football coach who pulled me aside after practice and like had my mom come see him. And I was like, man, what did I do? Cause you know, you assume it's something negative. Right. And he was, he actually ended up, he's a West Point grad himself class mm-hmm. of 80. And here we are in inner city Buffalo. Um, and he's like, you got a shot. And I was like, I have no idea what West Point is. And the more I researched and found out, I was like, this is, this is my spot. I think you can relate to this. And I think a lot of people can relate to this when something kind of enters your life the very first time and it just clicks, you can't describe it. And I've tried, it's like trying to like describe colors to people. I can't do it. Right. Like without yellow? saying the word of the yeah, color. Right. 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 Um, but it just like every part of my fiber was like, this is where I need to be. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't know if I have a shot, 
but I feel like I do. So I'm going to just go for it and kind of jump into that and see where it kind of lands. And man, that, you know, over 15 years ago, four years at West Point and then now 12 years in the army. Right. So 16 years ago, my math is off. That's why you don't do math in public. <laughs> Always, I feel like nowadays I should. Whenever I come prepared to a podcast, I should always have the questions. Right, I'm gonna and ask, I even have people and I, here and to, calculate. Take, to do math. <laughs> oh, it's such a lost art, short form math. Like, if, if I could just pull out a calculator, I'm, I'll be all right. <laughs> but so you, you talked about that, like you just kind of felt like it was it was meant to be. Yeah. I feel like you know, to your point, and I can't relate going to West Point to anything in my I'm life. I'm sure you can though, like in, a, but, in, a, in an area of your life. Right. Like, and like, as silly as it sounds, like I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they're like, well, what stroke were you in swimming? And I was like, I was a distance swimmer. So I swam the mile, the 500, the thousand, and I would, you know, and I did and all that type of stuff. And they're like, well, how did you get into that? And I was like, it's, you know, the, the political answer for me was like, I chose that so that I had a better shot at getting into a, a you know, good schools for swimming. Yeah. But it's also like, I found this thing that I knew not everyone loved to do. And I was always that kid that was like, I wanted to be a little bit different. You know, like right. I just wanted to do the, the thing that everyone didn't necessarily do. So like distance swimming is such like a, it's like hockey goalies. Like you have to be some sort of craziness to do that. Yeah. There's a so, different level. Yeah. It's just to a, be able to go to. Exactly. So like, I love being able to say I could go to that different level than, you know, the sprint freestylers or whatever. And trust me, I can't go to that level of sprint freestyle because those people are their own insanity. But the, I just felt like the endurance part of it was like, that's something special that I wanted. So I guess like, if that's my calling of like the same sense that you had for West Point, yeah. it was to distance swimming. I know we're comparing apples to absolutely no, no, oranges. We're not but though, but I think, yeah, I, to your point, I think we all have that calling inside of us, right? That like, we all know what it is, or at least when it enters our life, what that thing is. Yeah. And sometimes we don't always chase it. Um, and then I think that that sometimes becomes regret. Mm -hmm. And it, it's very powerful when you lean into that and you own it and you embrace it and you find the beauty and the wonder and all the other opportunities that present itself from that thing is super, super special. Absolutely. So I want to touch on your time at West Point because I think it is so unique and you're our first, you're our first West Point grad on the show. What would do you remember from your first day on campus at West Point? I, I don't want to say I cried, right? Cause that wasn't like an uncontrollable sobbing, mm -hmm. but I remember walking into the room and they have all the different like parts of the uniforms laid out and stuff. I might get emotional now. Uh, and I remember looking down and seeing my last name on like the fatigue tape and on the, like the PT shirt, like on the like physical fitness training shirt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, right. Excuse the language. <laughs> I was just, I, you could have knocked me over the feather. Even now I have like goosebumps, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was just, again, like, not that I made it, but it was just like, wow. Yeah. Like I, I now represent not only myself, but my family. Like I, I literally wear that on my chest. Exactly. You know, exactly. I've, I have so many, so many, like I have a lot of friends that have represented the U S and the national team for swimming for other sports. And it's, it's that same sense of like that first time that your last name ends up on a, on a cap on a shirt. And then that, you know, you have that American flag too, you know, right. A lot of, you know, it's, it's a lot different than the greatest sacrifice, but just knowing that your name is tied to something that the, your entire country cares about yeah. is something that is just, I, I, I don't think I could compare it to anything else, you know, yeah, that, 
it's a, it's like an out of body experience when you realize you're no longer an individual, but you represent so much more, but you're right. part of that overall organization. Right. Exactly. What was your most memorable class that you took at West Point? Uh, it's environmental geography, which ended up leading to what I majored in. Um, we call, they call it dirt there. It's not an acronym for anything. But, um, <laughs> like it, it was just that, again, that was another, another thing. And you know, this might be a, a recurring thing, theme throughout this conversation is like, I walked into the room and I just fell in love with the material, what we were talking about, the discussions we were having. Um, and that ultimately led like, within like a matter of months, I was like, all right, well, I want to get my master's degree in urban planning, you know, 12 years later, boom, that happened. Like it, it just, one of those things, like that was probably my most memorable class, other classes, right. Uh, we have to take different physical fitness classes. One's like gymnastics, where there's like an indoor obstacle course you got to take. Um, you do some like all this different stuff, um, because it, it, it forces you to find body awareness, right. Cause like in a fight or you're doing something, you need to be able to move your body you know, that, that's part of being like, ta- you know, a tactical athlete. Right. Um, we had like a combat swimming class where we're swimming in like fatigues and boots and stuff and like swimming underwater through uh, like different obstacles and things like that, holding your breath, uh, boxing, combatives, that just all of the classes I remember pretty viv- vividly. And mm. to this day, like I can see somebody that I haven't seen since maybe being in the classroom all those years ago and be like, do you remember this from that class? And they're like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. How would, how would you convince a fellow cadet, maybe a freshman to take dirt as their, their major? Well, um, it, it, it's really, I would never want to convince somebody of something they don't want to do right? in the sense of like following that as a, as a passion, mm-hmm. but it's dirt is one of those mandatory classes, right? I think other people call it like gen ed or like, you know, um, but yeah, I just, I fell in love with it, you know, and like the different rock, like different rock types and soil for Like I could just go on. Mm-hmm. It's an episode for another day. <laughs> I love that. No, but, um, you were talking about, I'm sure you have unbelievable breath control under the water. I was just, it just made me laugh. Cause like, you know, as a swimmer too, you know, and coaching little kids all, all, all through college, like that was the one thing they always asked. They're like, coach Jared, how long can you hold your breath? And I'm, and I'm like telling, like, I'm like, I have to like warn the parents. Like, if I'm going to do this, I really don't need you guys jumping in the water after me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I always, well, I always want, especially like my fellow lifeguarders know this too. Like if you see kids trying to hold their breath, always tell them like tap their fingers on the water or like tap their hand on the, on the deck just so you know that there's, there's activity going on right. there. So, but like, I, I'd always do that too. Cause I could, I mean, like back in the day, I probably could do it two, three minutes. And like, I I'm sure you're right up there. It's still to this day, but I like, I'm like, I don't really want, like, this is going to be boring for you guys <laughs> to watch this, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there was some crazy stories of the obstacle courses that you did underwater and all that type of stuff. I don't know, man. You ever see like a Chris angel special? Like they can make that right. look so dramatic. Right. That's, that's what you do with B-roll. Right. <laughs> Love it. That's so funny. So we were talking about this right before we hit record, but we had John Lee Dumas on the show a couple of years back. He had served four years active duty, four years in the reserves. And I asked him, what was the biggest thing that he took from his time in the army that he installs in his everyday life? And his answer was a perspective. He, during his time, he was getting shot at, living through and seeing the worst of the worst. So that gave him this perspective of during his life, you know, post 
you know, army and kind of in civilian life that through these years of finding a job, finding a passion that it could have been a lot worse. You know, I, I'm very lucky to be here. I'm going to assume you have that very same type of perspective in your everyday life. Yeah. There, there's a lot of friends uh, that are no longer here. Right. Um, and when I started to like get down and things in the sense of like, you know, not that I'm taking a break, but in the sense of maybe not fulfilling my, my potential, or at least trying to pursue that. Um, that's when I remember like, Hey, you're here. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your videos too, you talk about that, that being your why. Can you kind of like dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think so because I've unfortunately lost friends on the battlefield, um, both, you know, overseas and then the mental battlefield, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, you know, com- succumbing to suicide, suicidal ideations and things of that nature. Um, and really understanding what fuels me with purpose might, as we've already kind of discussed, doesn't fuel someone else with purpose, but at least kind trying to help someone navigate that, or at least seek, find the help that they're, they're looking for. Um, and sometimes that's literally like dragging someone to a mental health specialist right away where you can kind of sit back and be like, ah, oh, it's not really my place. Like maybe it is. And sometimes mm-hmm. you do have to intervene um, because it's just so crippling for another person to be able to kind of ask for help because they're, they're under such a burden that we can't see. Yeah. No, I, I, mental health is, is such an important topic that I, I always love talking about, and especially it's mental health awareness month. And, you know, you talk about like literally taking someone with you to see a mental health specialist. We saw that a lot in, in division one athletics and we still see it today. Like these, this, you know, God complex that society gives student athletes. And, and I, I know I said God complex and I take that with a grain of salt, but you know, it, being an athlete, like some, some of these kids do kind of are given that not that they want it. Right. Sure. But like the starting quarterback at Alabama every year, year in and year out will be that guy in the right. state of Alabama, in the city of Tuscaloosa, like that guy, like you ride or die for that guy. So that sort of God complex, it could be very taxing mentally for that student athlete. And we've talked about this, at, at Providence in great length, we've went through this initiative called the you're never alone in Friartown. And mm-hmm. the fact is, is like, I love that. Right. And it's that idea of, Hey, you know, why don't I go with you to this? Why don't we go to this group session together? Because we're in the same battle. I'm not you and you're not me. And, and, you know, you're in a different major and you do a different sport, but there's one thing we have in common and that's we're student athletes and we we're at the same school and we're, we've got a similar schedule. So why don't we do this together? Let's do this one thing together. Cause a lot of times it can be so polarizing and you feel so alone in that battle that if you can just have that one person to go with you to that one info session or that one group counseling session, it can be super, super, uh, super important. Absolutely. And I've seen great organizations. A good friend of mine, Nate Boyer, runs uh, Merging Vets and a- Merging Vets and Players, which is um, it takes professional athletes and veterans and through like physical fitness, brings them together, helps to find identity after their uniform comes off, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, a service uniform or, you know, uh, an NFL team uniform, right? Because like you said, there's so much identity that's ingrained and interwoven inside of that jersey or that, you know that fatigue top um, that 
when it when it's separated, it's not by the user, right? right? It's forced from an outside force. And then trying to rebuild who you are after the fact is is incredibly painful. I can imagine just having friends go through it. Um, but even now, like having to making sure you're living intentionally uh, as much as possible, right? Because if you consume yourself with work, work isn't always going to be there. Right. Right. Absolutely. So you did two deployments to Afghanistan. How would you say they differed in each one? So they're separated by a year. The first one was extremely kinetic uh, in the sense of like a, a lot of things were going on throughout the day and we were off a pretty isolated area. Um, and then the second one, I was in more of an advisor role. Uh, training with a team, uh, the Afghan army to shoot our, to shoot and use artillery on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So very, very different. Um, there were still threats. They were again, different, um, but it, it helped formed a lot of who I am today in the sense of, I think things we've already kind of talked about living intentionally, um, understanding risk, right? risk mitigation and like the list could go on of all the different like lessons and how something on the battlefield pertains to like, you know, how I interact with my spouse. Um, and it, it's just one of those things, right? You're, you're put in experience, you're put in positions and you live through these experiences and then how you apply them in different areas of your life always just kind of fascinates me. I think you answered my next question almost perfectly there. I was going to say, how, how did you change from deployment number one to deployment number two? I came back bitter with myself in the sense of like, I don't feel like I gave enough, right? Like I didn't give enough blood. I didn't give enough sweat. I didn't mm-hmm. get enough tears. Um, and I had to kind of step back and like, man, what a big ego I have to feel like I needed to walk away with some sort of like physical scarring in order to feel like I served and, you know, I, I gave my all. Mm-hmm. I was like, who do you think you are? This is me looking in the mirror. Right. Um, and it was like, whoa, I really got to kind of step back a little bit and figure out who I, who I really am and why do I feel this way? Right. And that kind of led to asking a lot of different questions and continue seeking intent and purpose behind what I'm trying to do. And we see a lot of that, right, with the story of the American sniper, of like him wanting to go back each time and, and because he felt that he wasn't doing enough or it, it was their sacrifice and he was, you know, he never had to give the ultimate sacrifice. Is that a common theme that we see with active, active duty and, and, and veterans as well, do you, do you think? I can't speak for others. I can mm-hmm. only kind of speak for myself in that sense, right? Um, to an extent, maybe, right? But it, it it's, again, like understanding those experiences and living through it and just trying to come to terms. I think you mentioned it beautifully in the beginning of the show, right? Like seeing, and John Dumas talked about this, um, as you mentioned, right? Like seeing the absolute worst in like humanity and then also like the absolute best, yeah like sometimes within seconds of each other and it's just this such a wild perspective to just go through that range back and forth quickly 
I like that. I like that. Can you describe what it felt like to, to come home for the last time to come home more full time after your second deployment? Uh, I don't think, no, I don't think I know I was living for the next thing, right? Like, all right, I got back. Now I got to move again, go to something, go to another school or do something else. Uh, instead of kind of appreciating what I did there. And I think that's lived with me, right? Like trying to make sure I take time to reflect, even if it's just like a couple minutes at the end of the night and I write down like three things of gratitude or like something that happened today that was meaningful to me because you lose it. And it's like, like, you know, swimming or working out, right? If you're not training those muscles, that, that muscle of gratitude, it's going to fatigue um, and it's going to kind of start to deteriorate and you won't start, you won't see that as much. So then you lose opportunities out there to show gratitude to others. Cause I think that sometimes and this is kind of going away very far away from your question. And I no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and if you're not able to show gratitude to others, you can't expect people to receive gratitude. Uh, you can't expect to receive gratitude. Right. right. And it's this two way street that we don't always talk about. Right. Sometimes it's always about like hustle harder, you know, all that other stuff. And right. there's nothing wrong with working hard, but I really wish we all would try to live and work harder at being intentional about what we want to do. I like that. I, I, just a quick side note on yeah. that. Cause I love that, that idea of flexing the gratitude muscle because I think back to the time this past ho like holiday season, I was out visiting my parents in Utah and they live right next to a Starbucks. And I would go every morning after I went to the gym and I just, I went through the drive-thru and like, I'd always seen the videos of people who was like, can I pay for the person behind me too? Right. And so I was like, it's the holiday season and you know, they live in Salt Lake city. So it's not like a lot of people go to this Starbucks because for those that don't know, Mormons typically don't drink coffee, but there's, there was always a line. So I was, I, I was, I, I just started paying for the person behind me. And, you know, if obviously you have that, that like, I, I feel like I'm doing something good, but to your point, I felt like I was also noticing more of the smaller things that people were doing for me and not being that snobby, like almost like expecting it. I felt more sense of a gratitude when somebody like as silly as it sounds held the door open for me you know like i was very thankful that i got to come home for the holidays and you know have a mom home cooked meal right it was like those types of things and like it's not that like i have starbucks to thank for that but i just sure. like you know doing that one little small thing really kind of like opened my good eye to seeing you know hey there <laughs> We got, we got him on this hands and knees now. But just a little bit more eye opening to the, yeah. the idea of receiving and giving that sense of gratitude. Absolutely. Those, those random acts of kindness. Yeah. Why you might think that they are small in hindsight can instantly change somebody else's sometimes life. Yeah. Right. Like when's the last time somebody wrote you a thank you note? When's the last time you wrote someone a thank you note? Not for like a getting a gift or doing something for you, just to say, hey, I appreciate having you in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, Danny Miranda does, does that with himself, right? It doesn't have to be external. It can be internal. Right. Where he spent you know, a month writing, I love you a hundred times every day, right? Yeah. It, it's finding those opportunities and using that opportunity to find purpose internally and then also kind of show 
others, hey, you matter. Exactly. Exactly. It's it, you never know what that tiny little thing can do for someone else's day, right? You know, in, in working with the Jesse Reese Foundation, you know, where their mission is to cure a bad day for those those children that are battling cancer. Like that's always been my mantra that I've lived by. Kellen Rowe, who's a professional soccer player for the Seattle Sounders, he works with the Jesse Reese Foundation. I think he was the one that officially coined the phrase of cure a bad day, and we've kind of like used it. And I just love it because there's just one thing, you know, like whether it's self-care or whatever, have a me day or whatever, but even like the sense of like just taking a walk, you know, you can cure your bad day or making somebody smile. You might be curing their bad day. So I, I just, I, it, we're, we're definitely on the same page here. <laughs> yeah. I, and it, sometimes it's not even the, the people involved, right? Someone could see it and be changed. Um, and then to your point, right. I've never, I've never regretted a walk. Right, like I always, I look forward to that. That's something Lindsay and I do often, and we'll continue to do because it just kind of helps us. No phones, no nothing. We're just kind of in the moment, and sometimes you know, one mile becomes three or four, and you come back and you're like, every second of that was worth it. I love that. I love that. So, on top of your service to our country, you've also you are also the host of the Got Your Six podcast where you deliver actionable advice based on those who have served or are still serving. What made you dive into this venture and give our servicemen and women this type of platform? Yeah, I I definitely do not. They do the guests that are on there. I am just fortunate for every single one of them because they are just like you dropping That's what I say. Really no, that's what I say about my every show. <laughs> episode. Um I had a social media platform for a while and it was substantial. I walked away from it because it was, I was inauthentic, right? I was trying to be someone I wasn't right. Flexing, trying to show off and it it just wasn't me. And, but it kind of stayed with me like, Hey, you got this thing. How can you leverage this to make it something good? Um, So I was thinking like, all right, Hey, let's look at, delivering some sort of actual content for either people who haven't served current service members or veterans to kind of show like we all go through adversity and obstacles together. Here's examples of people that continue to battle adversity, but are performing at like optimal levels. And they will all tell you, I'm not even close to my potential. I'm just trying to work to get there. Um, And it's just, it's just so cool to have such a diversity as just on this show, right? Like the guests you have are just, the fan is huge and you focus it on a very like narrow niche. Um, but you can cover so many topics. It, it's like, it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I, I love that about your show too. Like, yes, it's, it's active duty, it's veterans, but in the world of, of our military, there are so many stories to be told. There are so many different topics to cover. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to go into the breach? So that's an artillery term. Um, when you load the howitzer, I think I have one. Hold on a second. <laughs> we'll cut that dead air time out. Um, <laughs> so you load, this is a 105 canister and you would load it into a howitzer. There's a round on top of that. You load it in and you fire it. So stepping into the breach is like, you're committed. You can't really take that out and try to like pull it back once you've already kind of pulled the lever or the lanyard, depending on what kind of platform you're on. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of owning when you're stepping into what can be the unknown, even though you've, you've accounted for risk and other things, things are going to just happen, but you have to just kind of own it and step into it. 
I love that. And I'm going to, I might step out on a limb here by connecting these two, but you know, where I'll ask a question first to you and then I'll, I'll bring it back. Where, what is something where you've gone into the breach non-military related recently where you've, you've committed and you can't come back out. You can't set, you know, you can't say, you know, cancel the order or cancel the, you know, cancel the subscription or cancel the plan. What's something right now where you, you've stepped into the breach and, and you're ready and you fully committed the podcast, right? I, I'm committed to doing that in, however, you know, as life continues to present different obstacles and time goes on and we rise, you know, like, you know, job and everything else, like there's a way to figure that out. Yeah. Um, it, it could be in different mediums, different roles, who knows, right? Like, but I have not missed an episode since I started and I don't plan on missing one anytime soon. Uh, and then making sure, doing the due diligence to like plan for uncertainty in the future. And as long as I'm still here, like I enjoy doing it. I mean, I get to have conversation. And even when I'm not doing my podcast, like I, I love being on this, like talking to you and having a conversation, <laughs> like this is phenomenal. Right. Yeah. I, I wish I can say the same that I haven't missed an episode. And I was talking to Danny Miranda about this actually. And like, I, I like beat myself up about missing those episodes. Oh, you can't do that. You I know, I know, I know, I know. And like, but I am so committed to just, yeah. just, just keep it going. But I, what I was, what I wanted to mention, and I've like gone into this rabbit hole of watching these types of videos, but the late great Kobe Bryant, who is like my mm-hmm. childhood hero, he had this, un- and I'm going to butcher it. So you like, I'm never going to deliver it as good as Kobe, obviously. Okay. But it's like, you sign that contract with yourself. When you set out, you know, when he set out to win the championships that he did, he makes a commitment to himself that he's going to be in the gym at 5 a.m., that he's going to do the extra free throws that no one else is going to be committed to do. And he's going to do that extra work. And on the days that, you know, and he signed that contract in the summer after, the, you know, when the offseason started. And in the days during the season where he's like, you know, like I'm getting tired or I'm, store, I'm sore or I'm injured. You no, know, you already signed the contract. You can't back out. And I, and I'm like, I'm actually going through this right now with, with signing up for the Philly marathon. Like I, I, I decided dumb enough to do it, do another no, one. You bet on yourself. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Right. I, I'm, but you know, like I, I was in looking at myself in the mirror the other day, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to physically start training for this again. Like I'm not, I definitely feel like I'm not in the same shape that I was back when I started the, the last marathon that I did, but yeah. I signed this contract right? Like I am committed to doing this and like, it may not go how I want it to go, but I am committed to crossing the finish line in Philly. And I've sort of hinted at the idea of running Boston in April right after that. We'll see. I haven't, I'm, I'm drafting the paperwork for that contract, (laughs) but we we will see. But that's the thing. Like, I, I love that idea of like committing to it and can't back out and just, you know, like kind of, I know we talked about on the show, like being more of a um, you know, better than yesterday type of mentality. But I think when you make that commitment to something that is bigger than what you did in the past or something like that, the steps that you take to get to that is going that going back to that point of better than yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's all about consistency, right? Mm-hmm. What's your goal with the marathon? Oh, my goal is to beat my last time. And okay. I went, I was, I was three right under three forty eight. I went three forty seven fifty seven. So I want to go. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I kind of shocked myself with that. The goal time for the Charles River Marathon that was supposed to be the Cape Cod Marathon, and my listeners are probably sick of me telling that story. But uh, the goal was uh, sub three forty five. Um, and I mean, 
then it was like, then I kind of like negotiated with myself and listened to my body. And that was like the goal time was sub four hours, which for any amateur runner out there is what I've been told is a sub four hour marathon is pretty, pretty respectable. So I was, I was very, very happy a with just finishing a marathon for the first time, but then a getting, you know, B getting a, a sub three, four sub three fifty marathon time. But now, like now that I have that, 347 348 i like obviously want to beat that that's like that d1 athlete in me like you know always wanting to improve than just crossing a finish line you know i i love how you were like i just want to finish and then you're like you got more excited and animated and i i watched you believe in yourself more when you said <laughs> a specific time and that yeah. was just so cool to watch just now yeah i mean it, it's definitely the um the ex-swimmer in me, right? Like yeah. swimming is such a non-political sport in that like what the time says is what you went. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can tell, you can you can make up every excuse in the book of, you know, you didn't sleep well the night before, but the fact of the matter is, is you didn't win or you did and that's that. So like, I, like everything I've done athletically has been so time-oriented or like yeah. number-oriented. Like the whole marathon started as I wanted to run a thousand miles in 2021. I had no intentions to running a marathon in my life. And then I was like, well, this is getting kind of boring. Like I want to do something about it. Like I'm already on pace to run a thousand. What's it like to train for a full marathon? I found out how, how hard it is, but in the process we ran, I think I ran like, uh, was it like 12, 1200 miles that year? So like obviously broke that challenge out and then ran a marathon in the process. So it's like always like trying to find that next thing that's going to challenge you even more. How do you enjoy the victory when it comes? That is such a good question. That is such a good question. I, I enjoyed that victory of crossing the finish line at, at the Charles River Marathon by kind of reflecting back to the whole process yeah. of the time commitment, the, the mental commitment of training for this thing. And I, like, I remember... Eve, my girlfriend was like, she was like in tears when I crossed the finish line. She said it was because like five people in front of me, someone had passed out right when they finished. So she thought like, that's the state that I was going to be in. Yeah. So she was just thankful that I was walking and upright. Yeah. Yeah. And upright. But I like, and I'm going to get to this with you too, in a minute, like, it's not just your commitment. It's your entire support systems commitment to this. Like my, my girlfriend's family we're there all 26 miles. And the thing about the Charles river marathon, it was, it was 10, 2.6 mile loops around the Charles river here in Boston. So a very boring course, no offense to the race director, great race. He put on an unbelievable event, especially because the Cape Cod marathon got canceled three days before. And he had a bunch of people, you know, sign up for his race, but it's not a, you know, scenic type of Boston marathon. You know, you're going through, you know, New York city marathon where you're running through all the bros. Like I saw that pebble, 10 freaking times on that, you know, on that curb or whatever, but it was so cool. Cause I got to see them 10, all, you know, all 10 times that I went through the, through the circle. So, but I, it's, it, it is, sorry, I'm getting off topic here, but it is, it's not just no, your not. commitment to this. It's your entire support systems commitment. It's, you know, all that type of stuff. So that's how I really uh, celebrated that victory was like, wow, like we got here because of everything that we did to get to this point. You've perfectly wrapped up our conversation so far. That's why <laughs> you're such a great podcast host. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because you, you talk about the sacrifice required in order to achieve goals, but it's not just you. It's your support group that also is willing to commit and sacrifice in order to see you grow. 
And that's something that is extremely special and unique. And right. Like you talked about, it wasn't getting the, you never said once about a medal around your neck or the tape crossing your chest or the relief of your feet after taking off the shoes. (laughs) It was the people that were there to support you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like, it just, it made it a, obviously so much more enjoyable knowing that you had that support system there. Like I, I can't imagine going to one of those types of races and, and being alone, you know, like maybe then that's when, you know, if they're quali- trying to qualify for Boston or qualify for trials, like then that's like the celebration, but for an ab, you know, an amateur runner, that's just doing this for the first time. Like I, there's no one else I wanted in my corner than the sport team that I had. So that was a, that was a special, special Sunday morning for sure. Um, going to work the next day was a little tough, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the cross we bear, but <laughs> and thank you for sharing that. I really, yeah, appreciate of course. That. Absolutely. But so on your, like, so let's, I want to kind of flip, flip it to you here and I'll, I'll, I'll frame this question here. So on your show, you talk through topics such as you know, related to teamwork, but also personal success, personal drive, yeah. continuing to serve others and many more. And you can kind of tell that I'm like balancing that sort of learning, you know, le- learning to lean on others mm-hmm. while also staying focused on one's own mission. So how do you find that perfect balance? I don't think there's so much of a leaning as they're intertwined, right? They're, they're, they're locked in. It, it's hard to institute change without a guiding coalition and people that are there also helping you to enact your vision. If you're the leader or you helping the leader to enact their vision. Um, I, I don't see them as two separate things. I think that they, they need to come together. They are, they are two separate things, but in order for it to be, to work, they need to come together. Yeah. It's almost like not, not necessarily a balancing act, you know, like a seesaw, but more of like you're building a net or a mesh to combine the two. You got, you got yarn from both sides, combining the two ingredients. So like, I want to talk about your ultra earth, uh, oh, oh, yeah, that there you go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So this is this is like your marathon example. So for those that don't know what what this what this was, it was a six. It was sixty five miles all in one place using different erg erg machines, whether it was the treadmill, the the salt bike, so on and so forth. You know, you obviously kind of going back to that personal side and the the support team side. You have your goals, like like you were the only one doing this, as far as I saw in the videos, yeah. right? You had your training plan, you had mm-hmm. your commitments to do to get up at five o'clock, so on and so forth. Yeah. On the same, you know, on the other side of the coin, you have your support team, whether mm-hmm. it's ten thousand, whether it's a salt bike, you know, the the teams that you leaned on, Hyperice, but more importantly, right, your your wife Lindsay, your family, that yeah. that full support team. So, what was it like for you going through that process of knowing you have to give one hundred percent, just as much as they have to give one hundred percent to your mission as well? I signed the contract, right? That's what it comes back to. Um, I, I open this to anybody as, as a question, right? Think of a time where you fully committed and you didn't get what you, what you were working towards, right? You, you might not have won first place, but did you get better? Did you ultimately work towards a goal? Like when we commit to where we want to go, regardless of time, whether it's, you know, a year in this case, a month, right? Like trying to figure out, trying to figure out what you need to sacrifice in order to achieve a goal. Um, and, you know, that support system is so vital and it can just be people very close to you, but it, 
it exists and it's there and people want to see you win every single day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's such a, it's such an important topic too, because, you know, we're at a, we're at a point in the year where kids are wrapping up college, kids are wrapping up sports careers, you know, or, you know, people, people are wrapping up, you know, job careers, maybe even. Right. And I think of back of like my time at Providence and I think this is like one of the first times I'm sharing this on this show, but I did not in time regard improve all too much at Providence. I improved as the years went on, but definitely not to my standard that I kind of like set out to do in the seasons, right. Or kind of achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve. There were some things that I couldn't control. I got mono my junior year, senior year. I had a slap tear in my shoulder right before biggies. It's things that you can't control. But what I said my freshman year is so, this is like, I'm going to, this, the ego in me, my freshman year was crazy. I told someone and for the Providence grads, they'll know who this person is. He went third overall in the NBA draft. I said, I want my name to be as big at Providence College as Chris Dunn's. And Chris Dunn went number three overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so everyone's like, dude, what are you talking about? Right? Like, what? <laughs> whatever drugs you're on, at least share them. Okay? You know, like, what, is, <laughs> what are you on, dude? And obviously, I did not go third in the NBA draft. But my senior year, I was awarded the Jane Thompson Award which is awarded to the senior student athlete that did just as much on or, you know, on the field, on the, in the pool, on the ice, whatever, as they did in their community. And I really tried to apply myself to the Providence college community. Cause I was also under the impression that like, I got this unbelievable opportunity to wear a speedo every day for four years. Like I should probably do more in my community than just, you know, go show up to swim practice and whatnot. Sure. So I did a lot, you know, community outreach and all that stuff. So I was, I was given the, I was, I was surprised, but I was given the Jane Thompson award my senior year. And like my name will be somewhere in that athletic facility for many years to come. So I'm not an NBA draft pick, but in my, in my mind, I'm, you know, my name will be a part of Providence college for many years to come. So in that sense, I did accomplish that goal. So I Nate, you know, going back to, and we're, we're way off topic. We're monologuing now, but, you know, going back to that point of like, you know, maybe not getting first or getting the time that you wanted from a marathon perspective, from a swim time perspective or, or whatever, but, you know, the time commitment that you did put in and you got something out of it, right. You did become better than yesterday, I think is, is the success in and of, it all, in and of itself, rather than just what time you were looking for. Right. And at no point in your goal did you say you wanted to be drafted in the NBA. You just wanted your name to be well-known. Um, exactly. And you don't, you, I mean, your legacy still lives on, right? The people that you interacted with and helped and served, right? That, that, that will never change. And no one can take that away. Absolutely. So on your show, just like this show, you have many different guests ranging from those that are currently serving in the military to veterans and other high performers, and I get this question a lot on this show, just because the nature of it and, and the types of guests that we have on, is there a type of guest, whether it's like a World War II vet, you know, a uh, ex-veteran turned Olympian or what have you that you've been really striving to have on the show? I think I want to just continue to be able to share 
other people's stories that maybe ha- have a lot to offer, um, but maybe not just don't have the platform to do it. Yes. There is, right? Like you can sit up here and be like, oh, you know, Gal Gadot, Adam Driver, Jocko, <laughs> right? Like and anybody, right? That's kind of the entry to be on the show. It's like you have to have some sort of military service in your right. background. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like people want to relate to people. Mm-hmm. And so whoever it is, right? Um, if you can find something that sits and resonates with you, it helps you just live a better, more fulfilled life. That was a perfect guest, right? That was the the ideal guest to have on. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, how many times do you, you know, going through swim practice, you were doing strokes and coach says, you know, he's giving you cues and all this other stuff. You're watching tape. And you're like, yeah, I just, I don't get it. And then somebody walks by and is like, hey, your, your hand's slightly t- tilted. And you're like, oh, boom. And he you, got it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. then everybody else is just like face palming uh, emoji. Like, what? Right. we've been saying this for years. Um, sometimes you just got to hear it from a different lens in order for it to hit you and be like, damn. Totally. I needed that. Totally. And, and like, I swear, I think, I think we wrote the same pitch deck for our own podcast. Cause I'm the same, I'm the same way in terms of like, they're like, you know, why, why do you have all these different types of people on your show? You know, like that, that's, you know, that's a question I get a lot. Not, not necessarily like, like, it's more like they want to know, you know, how, how, what made you decide to get so-and-so on the show. And it's just to that point, like at the end of the day, I'm a normal guy with a lazy eye. So that means there are a lot of people who have very interesting stories to tell. And I just want to have a platform that gives them that avenue to tell that story. You know, what I will say, and because because like this is episode, I think, 81, something like that. So we're coming up on the like, you know, all-time guests, who would you want, you know, that type of thing. I I I always like this is like one of the first times I've really like reflected on it, but it's unfortunate that it can't happen. I've always like I really wanted to have my grandfather on the show as a World War II vet, yeah. you know, first Marine, first battalion, Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, Peleliu, you know, two purple hearts. Congressional Medal of Honor, like the list goes on, and wait, wait, wait. back back up. You're, yeah, yeah. He, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah. So the first Marine, first Battalion was awarded the Congressional Medal mm-hmm. of Honor uh, during World War II. So in his okay. in his um, in his service, he as his, as his platoon was awarded it, gotcha. and uh, he was awarded two Purple Hearts. Uh, oh. And then the guy came out here, and, and then he built Watergate. So like the the building in, in the infamous building in Washington DC. So he's like not like like the he was a I mean the stories that he has I'm sure from combat are unlike anyone you've ever heard and I was thankful enough to hear that once in my life during my twin brother's World War II class my senior year of high school my geometry teacher bless her heart let me skip that class and, and go hang out with my twin brother at, at his World War II class um but just like it's just, it, it was just a different generation, right? I mean, his father didn't even know how to read or write, came over from Ellis Island, through, you know, through Ellis Island, from Ukraine and, and all that type of stuff. And it's just, it's like, I wish there was a time and a place that I could have must, A, mustered up the courage to ask him or have the show to begin with. I don't even think this was even a, a thing before he passed, but it was just like, I, I would also be so nervous too. You know, like you want to do your grandpa justice. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that's probably like 
you know, dead or alive, who's your all time guest or who do you want to have dinner with? I'd love to just go back and have dinner with my grandpa. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. And that it's something you can go like always kind of live secondhand, right? You can go back and research because you, you know enough to be like, Hey, I know where he was. Yeah. And the archives just continue to f- fill with like, you know, different information. So that's, man, what a fascinating journey. Yeah. And so cool. There was an older gentleman who, cause he was out, he was, when he retired, he moved to Palm Springs. Like a lot okay. of veterans did. And um, in the Palms, it's like a Palm Springs history museum, a, a journalist just video interviewed hundreds of veterans and published all of them. And we've, we recently found it. And it's like an hour long interview with my grandpa. He never sent it to us. <laughs> like we had to go out and find it. Um, it's a, it, like, it was, it was just so cool to like, see like my set, like he passed at 94. So wow. lived a long, great life, yeah. but to see him back, like when he was like a 78 year old spring chicken, you know, and, and telling these stories, it was, <laughs> it was great. It was awesome. So yeah, I, I like watched that, like, I watched that recently, like a couple months ago, and it was just so like cool to see him again talking about the war and all that type of stuff. But yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. yeah absolutely. Massive. So another thing that I love about your show, uh, when you talk to vets, you talk about. And I haven't thanked you for being a sixer yet, and I don't. I just interrupted you, but no, 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 no. Of I course, I appreciate you listening, man. It's incredible. I. I, you know, before starting a podcast, I always listen to like my two, you know, like one sports podcast and one conversation mm-hmm. podcast. Now, like having obviously my own show, I don't listen to my own show. Don't I, I don't, I, really? I can't, I can't, why well, I, I do in the sense that I've already listened to it four times before I've hit publish. Sure. Right. But like, I can't, I don't know. I, one day I might like go back and like listen to like episodes one through 10 just for fun, like seeing like yeah. how it's, how it's progressed, but you know, the, the, I don't know, the mental block of like, I've already heard this. I can't do it again <laughs> or hearing my own voice in my car. It's like, I, I can't do this, <laughs> but um, there's like, something have, to be said about as, sorry, no, go ahead. You said about as you're creating to kind of go back to your original work and just to like appreciate how far you've come. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. Cause had you told me two years, we're almost two years old that we'd have 80, 80, 81 episodes with I think like 79 unique guests. I think we've had like yeah. two or three returners. Right. It's just so cool that I, I just love seeing like the scroll of like, like you, you mentioned it before we hit record, like you're like, you have so many guests and it's like, it's really cool to get that from somebody that like, that appreciates especially an interview style show where you yeah. try to get a new guest every single week that like okay you get it you know <laughs> so that's why i've had such an appreciation with other podcasts now being having done the show for two years like i love the uniqueness of everybody's different shows and it's and i was actually asked this and i'd love to hear your thoughts too mm-hmm. we're kind of going off topic but that's totally fine that's what podcasts are meant to do right like what's the ceiling for podcasts you know like Everyone, it seems like nowadays everyone has a podcast and it seems like it's either an interview style podcast, a pre-scripted true crime style podcast, you know, newsy podcast, so on and so forth. There's definitely different categories, but like, what's the ceiling, right? What's next for these types of shows? So I'd love to hear your thoughts and then I, I can interject here. Danny Marina talked about the printing press and saying like, we're, we're kind of re-experiencing, we're experiencing the printing press. I agree with that. But what I say is the ceiling is consistency, right? Wherever someone, like 
you can look at a lot of people that are doing a lot of great things, um, you know, across the board with podcasting in this audio format and where they've been able to take it is through consistency, right? Nobody's going to just listen to one episode and like write a massive check and be like, Hey, here you go. Uh, enjoy <laughs> the money. Right. Right. Like you, it, you have to continue to produce content that's meaningful, um, engages others, produces emotions and people can also resonate with it. So it, I think it really comes down to the individual and their level of consistency that they put behind that audio medium. And it's fantastic that people can be able to share that, right? Just off yeah. their phone, use Anchor. Uh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. I think it's so true because like everyone says like, oh, there's so many podcasts out there. And my, my rebuttal to that almost is like, yeah, but how much, how many of them like last, you know, like it, it, it is so hard to do this, you know? And, and like, sorry, I'm like tooting our own horn here, but like to put out a new episode every single Wednesday for you, it's, I know it's every single Monday. It's, it is hard to have that sort of willpower to do that. And like, this isn't my full-time job. So even like going, I got to go back, I got to go to the office tomorrow and then I'll come back here and edit this episode. So like, you know, it's not that every show lasts too. So kind of having that, that willpower to have that consistency. And I think too, like I, I, going back to that, what's the ceiling? There's so many different avenues that shows have been taking like podcasting outside, having random strangers like Danny Miranda had one where he just said, I'm in a zoom room, come chat. And then it just turned into a podcast. episode. like, I, I, you know, going back to my earlier point, I have to have questions down so that I don't have that social anxiety, but you know, more power to Danny and like how people do their own podcasting. It's, it's definitely the, the creative juices are flowing with this podcast medium. And I think it's, it's unique to see the different t- styles of shows that are out there. I think it's 92% don't make it past their like second episode of podcast. Wow. Really? That's crazy. I didn't know that. That's yeah. a crazy stat. Yeah. And I heard that from a friend of mine who's like a well, a well-known podcaster. And it's essentially right. Like there's such a lag in terms of people providing feedback to the podcast and the podcast, you know, all, all that stuff, because it's very easy to consume. And this goes mm. back to like our conversation and gratitude. Um, but not, you don't, not that you have to listen to it and say like, Hey, you give our time, you give your time to listen to what I say, or you say like, that's super meaningful. Um, right. We get lost sometimes in that instant gratification. Like oh, nobody's listening or seeing this or whatever. So like, it's obviously not worth it. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen that with this show, like yeah. some episodes that I recorded almost a year ago now at this point, they're like reblowing up. And like part of it has to do with like the guest is getting bigger or whatever. So like people are searching for shows that they've done, sure. but it's like kind of that gratification too of like, Hey, you know, like, I went out and found this person years ago you know, or right. a year ago or whatever. So that, that it like, you know, I think our whole society is, is geared towards that instant gratification, likes, comments, subscriptions, et cetera. Podcasting with long form content, you have to be like kind of in it for the long haul. And, you know, like I don't, I think I can think of one or two episodes that I've ever listened of anybody's podcast twice. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. once you hear an episode, you don't necessarily, you know, like sometimes I like to go back and hear what other people said about said topics, but sure. you don't really go back and listen to the whole thing all over again. You know what I mean? It's like a, you want to be on to the next one. So, you know, one stream, that's one person you didn't reach yesterday. So better than yesterday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so back to the question that I was going to ask. So mm-hmm. another thing that I love about your show is that 
while you talk about uh, people who are in active duty, you also talk to veterans who talk about life after service and what they're doing now. What I've found that is many of them are incredible entrepreneurs, businessmen and women that when they return to civilian lifestyle, to your point earlier, really kind of install what they learn from their time to, on, in the service into what they're doing in everyday life. So what message or advice do you have for recruiters that are out there that are looking for these positions to be filled and why they should evaluate our veterans? Uh, I think it comes back to understanding everyone has potential um, and being able to you know, go away from the small talk and go down. What, what are the effects that you're looking to achieve, right? That, what do you want to see happen? What are you trying to do? And then empowering people to do that. And I think a great population of that is people that have served in the military, because sometimes you're just given intent and you have to go, you execute a mission. Um, right. And I think there there's power in having those kind of people on the team that can help rally others around and lead that vision, wherever the organization wants to go. Right. And going off of your point on like, you have intent and you have to execute on a mission. It's in the military. It sounds like there's not necessarily a GPS roadmap to the destination or the mission, but you're given the destination and it's up to you to, to find those GPS coordinates or to map out that mission. So, and I feel like in kind of putting in the layman's terms of how we work in society, you kind of want to have someone on your team that is doesn't necessarily need the handholding. And I'm not saying they need to be a plus, you know, executive level style on their first day, but just having that mentality of like, I can get this done. I'll ask for help when I need it. And I'm not afraid to ask for help, but I also know that you're giving me this opportunity and I'm going to make the most of it. Isn't that life though? Right. right. Like we set these goals um, and things that we want to achieve and we don't know how we're going to get there, but we know what it is, or at least we think we know what we want. Uh, and we start to go down that path and we, then we can decide like, Hey, this is actually a mountain I want to climb or actually the mountain I wanted to climb is a little bit over to the right or the left. Um, and that's actually where I wanted to go. Uh, and just having people that again, it's, it's a muscle, right. And you got to be able to continue to work it to utilize that muscle. Otherwise it, again, it continues to fatigue and you, you kind of get lethargic and complacent. Mm. Um, if you're not actually like working towards something that, again, it doesn't mean you need to grind and hustle hard every, you know, 24, seven, right. 65 and eat coffee beans to survive. <laughs> um, that, that was a little, that was a little dramatic. I got to turn it down. Uh, <laughs> Yes, please but, do. No, yeah. <laughs> keep it PG, please. No, yeah. uh, that is just, you know, finding fulfillment, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I hate to say we're almost at the end of our, our, no. our conversation here. I know. Do you have any, do you have any questions for me? If we want to keep this going here, Dude, you I can... was going to say, we've done it on a couple of shows where you're feel, feel free to ask me anything. And then I'll ask you our beloved last question that I know you've, you've already been, <sighs> been ready for. I'm sure I've been, I've been waiting for this, but um, I have a question for you. Okay. We're going to go real deep, real quick. So get ready. Buckle up. Okay. (laughs) When's the last time you cried? And I'm not talking like tear. You watched, uh, you know, a sports documentary. Like I'm talking 
bulge your eyes out. Wow. That's a tough one. I there's there's one where I can give you the exact day, and then there's one that I can give you like it was just a culmination of things going on, and I I know for a fact I cried about it. Yeah. The exact day, and I I know you said don't say sports documentary, but this wasn't a sports documentary. It was is when Kobe passed. Mm-hmm. It gave me like going back to our theme of perspective, yeah. like I first of all that's like my childhood hero. Right. I grew up in SoCal, diehard Laker Shaq, you know, Shaq Kobe fan. Um, And, you know, there was also all those rumors that it was his whole family was involved and like all that stuff. And then we found out his, you know, his daughter was in there. Um, I, I, I I don't get emotional on like big figures passing away, but like to, to know that Kobe had so much left to give to this world as a as 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 he was that just made me think like tomorrow is not guaranteed and you could be the biggest baddest mother effer on this on the country and everyone knows you by a first name basis and like everything's guaranteed for you like say jump and people say you know when you say jump people say how high that's type that type of big figure like so i just want to live my i wanted to like just like i want to live my life that you know you only live once but it's like what you're doing in this life you know danny says we only have 100 years on this floating rock like let's let's kind of take that back like let's let's do something with this and not just be you know this this you know the standard version of yourself always be the better version of yourself so that was that was the last time i like legit cried my eyes out because i remember my girlfriend was like what like why are you so emotional and i was like it's 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 bigger than this it's bigger than kobe passing it was like it was just a lot was going through my head for sure it's a realization right like you you have this these norms and this paradigm of you know you're just wrapped up in everything that's going on and then for it to just be so jarring yeah i think that opened a lot of people's eyes yeah absolutely i mean you saw i mean you saw when people were covering it like people just couldn't hold it together and i'm fairly i mean like you know, these people have been in sports for 20 plus years when they're reporting it, but even just people like it, it, it was a, it was a very surreal moment for sure. It's even like hard to say it today. Like, it's just hard to believe that a guy like Kobe Bryant isn't here. It's insane. Every, every single time it comes up, I'm like, damn. Yeah. And now it's like, it was two plus years ago. Right. Like it's crazy. And I will, and I'll, cause I hinted at it. I think the, like the overarching theme of the pandemic was a moment that I like couldn't contain myself at some points sure. emotionally. Cause it was a time in our lives that we like, we, no one had done this. Like no one had done this, anything remotely close to this style of life that we were living. Like the fact that I bought toilet paper from a restaurant in the North end that I knew wasn't going to survive COVID and it was going to close down but to make a buck to save their, their, you know, livelihood, they were selling their own toilet paper, but I was buying it because I couldn't freaking find toilet paper at stop and shop. Like, it was just like, what is this world that we're living in? And like, there are other things that like socially, obviously I'm like, I was being a little, uh, uh, naive or a little, um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, self-centered in the sense that I was like, I'm in my prime, I'm 23 and I don't get to do what a 23 year old five years ago gets to do with their life. And it just, that when they kept coming back and all that stuff, like I was like, there's no end in sight to this thing. And so that, that's another time where I I definitely, I can't tell the day, but there was definitely one or two times I'm sure during like March, April, May of 2020, right? Like I needed to just close my door and cry. Yeah. Yeah. And then how, how do you handle it now? Right. As you kind of reflect over the two past years, not so much the Kobe thing, because, but right. Right. Going and dealing with, you know, this life that I, I am living is very different than what other people have lived. How do you find an outlet in order to not mean not control your emotions, but like at least maintain a level and not let it all build up on you and like kind of weigh you down? Yeah. I would say there's two, two big things, right? Like I love my job. So I, I'm not going to even put that as one of them, but there's this podcast, you know, like I think about pandemic life pre this podcast and post mm-hmm. this podcast. And like my life felt like it changed tenfold because going back to that point of like, I'm not getting to live this normal life of any of a 23 year old back in 2018, if they were 23. But now I can say the same exact thing that like I'm doing a podcast with you know 80 incredible guests and i if i was if i was 18 years old and you told me this was my path five years from now i would have told you you were crazy and then running right like i was a i was a swimmer for 10 plus years i never thought i'd enjoy running and i just you know because obviously i'm here in new england pool space in and of itself is already hard to come by then you throw in covid and you can't really go find a pool but so I really kind of like hung up the suit and goggles and, and just threw on a pair of running shoes and, and cleared my head. And like, like you do on your walks, like a lot of times during COVID, I didn't even bring like an, uh, an iPod, you know, I kept my phone for GPS purposes and safety, but <laughs> you know, like I didn't, I didn't put a playlist in. So, and then that led to a thousand mile challenge and that led to the marathon and that led, you know, that marathon led to this upcoming marathon. So it's uh, it was kind of the, the two things that I've used to kind of ground that emotion of like we're living in a time that no one else will ever have to live through yeah but we also have this opportunity that no one else will ever have yeah isn't that so like i think it's incredible that the two things that you've used to ground you have been able to present you with so much opportunity usually when we think we need to be grounded it's to hold us back but actually it helps us actually live yeah that's awesome yeah absolutely wow well that was a big question um, and I loved it. Um, it's going to make this one seem a lot tinier, but we do have one final question for you <laughs> that we ask all of our guests and I'm stoked to hear this answer. Now we've also gotten this in record time. And I would say the last two episodes. Okay. So I'm not saying you have to beat this, but if you have it already, I mean, like you might beat it. Um, Tony, if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? Uh, it would be just a kid from Buffalo. You got to give me that the why. Right? You got to give me the why. You know, that, that's the, the why is the title. That's yeah. why it's so thought provoking. Like at the end of the day, that's, that's what I am. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of all the other, like, you know, whatever accolade you could put. Right. Um, that's what I, you know, I, I enjoy being a loving husband. I try my best to be a good son and brother. Right. Uh, friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that all goes back to where I grew up. So just a kid from Buffalo. 
I love it. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank you so much for coming on this week's episode. This has been by far one of my favorite episodes that we've done. And I can't thank you enough. It has really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, and I know I say that Same. candidly and, you know, pun intendedly, but this has been an absolute blast. <laughs> thank you so much. I am truly honored to be here. Just talking to you has just been uh, an absolute highlight. Thank you so much. So a big thank you to Tony Nash for coming on this week's show, man. When I listened back to this episode to do the editing and, and, and do cut the clips from this interview, it was so heartwarming. And I hope you got the same sense uh, while you listen to this show. Be sure to follow Tony on Instagram at the Tony Nash. Be sure to go check him out uh, in his show, the Got Your Six podcast found on Apple Podcasts, found on Spotify. It is, it is, a, it is a treat. It is an absolute treat. And to this interview was such a such an experience, and I'm hoping you guys enjoyed it. So again, big thanks to Tony Nash. Be sure to go follow us on Instagram at Normal Guy Lazy Eyes. So you can see the clips from this week's episode. I'll follow us on TikTok, same name at Normal Guy Lazy Eye. That does it for all the shameless plugs. I am so thankful for each and every one of you to continue to come here and and hear these great episodes and hear these great stories. So this show would not be possible without you. I will see you all next Wednesday with a brand new episode.